Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I am your host, Mike Gregson, and I'm excited about today's episode. Um, A dear friend of mine uh, that I've known since high school days, Tiffany Turley, is here with me today. And the reason that I reached out to Tiffany and wanted her to be on this this podcast with me is because I wanted her to tell her story. She has a phenomenal story. Um, Tiffany is someone that absolutely we can learn from. Uh, personally, you know, whether you're male or female, it's going to really reach out to you. And I also think today's is going to be really special because I think Tiffany, not I think, but I know Tiffany has a lot of wisdom and experience that she can provide that will help parents, a lot of parents to kind of, you know, parent their children better, be, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But I I really am excited for this episode with you, Tiffany, because I think we're going to have a lot of things that we can take away from this episode with you. So anyway, um, me and Tiffany reconnected later in life. And, and Tiffany, why don't you take it from here and tell us about yourself and, and what you're currently doing in your family? Yeah, so thanks for having me. This is quite an honor to be part of this. Um, as you said, my name is Tiffany Turley. Uh, I Tiffany Turley Bowcut now. I've been married for a few years. It, it, I'm still getting used to that because I was a lot of years as Tiffany Turley, but Tiffany Turley or Tiffany I totally Bocut. didn't even say yeah. that. I'm so sorry. No, it's totally fine. You still know me as Tiffany Turley, yeah, and most right. people do. Hey, Mr. Um, Bocut, I'm yeah. <laughs> so sorry when you hear this, my friend. We'll, I'll, we'll, we'll apologize in person at some point. Yes, he is excited to meet you. So um, I met Mike many years ago in, in high school. Um, I grew up in Salt Lake. Uh, after high school, knew I wanted to go to college. Uh, went to BYU and did my undergrad there. Um, and then did graduate work at Westminster College a few years later. Uh, in the, I was um, single for a lot of years, and so I was able to do a lot of community work and volunteer work and things that I might not able have been able to do otherwise. Um, ended up meeting my husband when I was 35, uh, which is a little out of the norm for your, you know, living in Utah. We got married, um, and we now have three babies um, under two. So I have a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and I just had a baby a few months ago in June. I'm so, gonna, I'm gonna have you repeat that. So you got three kids, and what kids. year did you get married? Uh, 2017. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So Good married done. 2017, first baby in 18, second baby in 19. I love last it. Last baby, unless God has different plans for us <laughs> in 20. 
Um, and now we're coming up on our four year anniversary of our first date yeah. next month. Um, and we're excited cause we're finally outpacing ourselves with years instead of children. I love it. So I love it. Uh, life is a little hectic and a little crazy, but the Lord is good and gives me the ability somehow to do a lot more than I think I'm, I'm capable of by myself. So, um, life is just, life is just crazy and interesting, but amazing at the same time. That's awesome. Now, um, before you get into really telling us your story, currently you work for BYU, Yes. as you mentioned, I think it's, I think it's kind of fun to talk about, um, what you did for BYU and then what you are currently doing. And I'll let you, as you tell your story, obviously you're going to kind of connect the dots and tell us why. Yeah. Um, but when, when we reconnected later on in life, you were working for BYU's women's center. Yes. Um, and obviously with the women's center, you had to bring in guest speakers. You, you were doing whatever you can to educate women and, and, and remind me what the education piece for these women in the women's center, sorry, women's center is that you were doing. So when I came in the, they kind of needed a, like a, a refresh with the women's office, um, new ideas, uh, new perspectives. And so I was grateful to be able to take that and kind of run with it. And what was really important to me is to empower women in whatever that looks like. And so we did, we created campaigns around the really tough issues like domestic violence and sexual assault. But then we were also able to kind of counterbalance that with, um, the importance of women pursuing education and pursuing their careers and pursuing family life. So it was a a pretty well-rounded approach to just helping women and female students on campus, which there's still sometimes I think a lot of stigmas with women pursuing education or careers. And, and so it was nice to kind of break through some of those and at the same time address some really tough issues like sexual assault or eating disorders, really just helping women know that they're cared for on campus and then more broadly by their father in heaven and, and instilling some of that, um, to our female students and our male it. students as well. I so. love it. And, and I, I think the, the beautiful thing is, um, especially as a father of girls, that's, that's awesome because obviously in our society and the culture that we have in, in the United States right now, um, which I, I still, I do believe that women have a lot more opportunity here in America still than Absolutely. some parts of the world. Right. But I, but we're still far behind. Yeah. And to know that you are doing such a good thing with, with, you know, helping these young girls really develop in their, in their self-esteem and, and feel capable and enabled to go into the world and compete with whoever to do whatever they want to do, empowering people. Right. Yeah. And, and also their safety and protection, which is so important. Um, that's great. Did, did BYU kind of give you the reins to, to be, cause they knew you had experience, give you the reins and kind of allow you to say, Hey, here's what we want you to do. Yeah. Go at it. Yeah, thankfully, uh, because they were looking for someone to just kind of revamp the office and and change a lot of things, I was given a lot of opportunity and a lot of, I guess, flexibility to kind of make it what what I thought it should be and what my team thought it should be. Uh, It was really great because since I had been single for so long, I think one thing I realized is that while my role now and, and women's roles as a wife and a mother are of paramount importance, the Lord has given us other gifts and other things that we can do. And I was able to develop and, and learn about a lot of those things in myself over these many, many years of being single, um, that I was able to then instill that to, you know, young female students, people who were, we had some, some students who were maybe getting to be seniors and like, Hey, I'm not married yet. My goodness, I'm 22. Like, is there any value still left in me? Something's because, wrong yeah, with me. Like yeah. Like we, we, as women often tie our value to, uh, our, our role as a mother and our role as a wife. Um, and I think one thing I'd learned is that while that was still my goal, um, even back when I was single working in the women's office, there was more that the Lord had for me to do in, in a different way. Now, fortunately, I'm able to 
do both. You know, I have my role as a wife and as a mom, but I'm also able to have my career. And and it's just been, it was a really great opportunity for me in that office to be able to help instill that in women and show them that keep your goals, but maybe the Lord has a different way for you to go about reaching them. And there's so many things and gifts that the Lord gives each of us that I think he wants us to use to bless his children. And I was grateful for that opportunity. So awesome. I love, I love that your, your faith comes shining through and what you talk about too. It's Um, nice to work at BYU where I can um, (laughs) just own that (laughs) and be in front about it as we should, you know, no matter, no matter what religion we belong to, no matter what we, we believe and we feel we should own those things and we should be more willing to talk about it openly because that's who we are. That's our character, right? And, and that's the power of, of living and telling our story. Now, last thing is, is you kind of segued from, or not segued, but you, you left the Women's Center in that opportunity and then you started doing something where you started overseeing a lot of different things that are very tragic and serious things, right? You, you started working with women who dealing with sexual assault, dating and domestic violence, and then also stalking. Right. as well. Um, that's what you're currently doing now, right? Yeah. So back, um, I started at BYU in 2014, worked at the women's services office for a few years. And then in 2016, BYU kind of came under fire for how we managed sexual assault victims and in, in their situations, um, in conjunction with how we manage our code of conduct and our honor code. And so as a result of, you know, some students coming forward and talking about their experiences, the university took a really hard look at, how are we kind of navigating that complex world of sexual assault and a really fairly strict code of conduct and honor code that aligns with our beliefs? And so as a result of that, the university decided to create a whole new office that hadn't existed thus far and assign someone full-time to oversee these issues. And I was fortunate to be chosen to be that person. I don't know if it's fortunate, but um, it was amazing how I feel like the experiences I've been through in my life led and prepared me for that to be at a place at BYU where I felt like I was able to really contribute and where I was able to do um, this work that was really important and meaningful to me in a way that was really important and meaningful to the university. I love it. And, you know, I I think the cool thing is is you tell your story, you're obviously going to connect why you, why you're ready for this and, and what's happened for that. I mean, um, one of the cool things I just want to highlight is Tiffany also has brought in some really good keynote speakers like Elizabeth Smart, like other people like that, who are prominent people with stories that most people know, um, to come in and speak to these women and, and really talk about, you know, what to look out for, um, how to have esteem, how to feel worth it and valuable no matter what we go through. And Tiffany, I, and I think this is important to just put in right here before you tell your story. You and I were talking before the, we started the podcast, started recording and, um, the article, one of the articles I read and I, and again, I believe it was early this morning for one of the first things that popped up is one, I think I want to say it was one in five girls are sexually deal with sexual assault before, they even get through their teens, right? Is, is young girls. And you, and you filled me in on a couple other statistics and you said that even worldwide, it's like one in four, isn't it? Or one in three. Or- Closer to one in three, um, women throughout the course of their lifetime will deal with some form of sexual violence. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, so, um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to share all these things because I want you to move your story in a certain way. That's not what I'm saying, but, but I think there's wisdom that you're going to share with us Um, so for any parents that are listening, Tiffany is awesome. And, and her message, I think will will have some things that we can learn from her regarding that and how we parent our children and what we need to watch out for as parents. 
And, um, and then if, if, you know, gosh, um, if you've had anybody in your life that's gone through it, maybe what we can do to be a little bit more of a helper, right? Like Mr. Rogers talks about, be the helper. I want to be a helper. So anyway, enough of, of, of me talking, um, Tiffany, take it away. Where do you want to start with your story? Okay. So I'm actually going to start, well, back in high school, I guess. Yeah. When, when we met. You were uh, Lonnie Shea at Skyline. Yes. My goodness. That feels like a whole lifetime (laughs) ago. We've both been through a thing or two since then. Um, so after high school, as I mentioned in the beginning, I really wanted to go to college and, um, college was always part of the plan. And when I say that, I mean, BYU, BYU was always a part of the plan. I didn't even apply anywhere else. Like that was where I wanted to go. Um, and thankfully they let me in. So I started BYU and honestly, as I think back, I don't even think I thought about finishing or graduating. I kind of assumed I would go there, do what a lot of women do when they go there and get married and just start having babies. And Life's so, going to be perfect yeah, if I like, just get there, right? If I can just get to BYU and find yeah. my husband and like jump on the eternal bandwagon, yeah. we'll be fine. So I got to BYU and a year in, sure enough, I met who I thought was a great guy. Um, we started dating. We ended up getting married. Uh, so here I was 19 married, like life was just going to according to plan. Yeah. And then as soon as we got married, I mean, problems started rising. Uh, it turns out he had a pretty serious, uh, pornography addiction. Um, and this was back in like 2000. So before we were really hearing about this, I mean, the internet was still kind of fairly new. Smartphones weren't even around. Yeah. Like now we talk about pornography. It's a common topic. People are comfortable talking about it. This was like 20 years ago before all of that. And so it was a very lonely experience for me. Mm. Um, and his addiction turned into, there was a lot more as far as him actually being involved in some pornography um, and affairs and things like that. So it was just a really rough experience, which, you know, as, as this kind of young, naive girl, I was like, no, like we got married in the temple. All my dreams are supposed to come true. Life was going according to plan. And within a year, um, a year and two days after we got married, our marriage was annulled. Um, so it, it, the marriage ended. And so here I am, I have my perfect life planned out and I'm now 20 and divorced. Well, annulled. Um, and so at that point I really had to like dig deep and figure out what else do I want for my life? Like, should I stay in college? Should I, what do I do? You know? And, and I really had to dig deep as well and kind of figure out my faith. Like, why did I get married in the temple? Why do I believe? Why do I keep going to church? What am I doing? Because that's what's expected because that's what my family's always done. Or am I doing it because of me? And I feel like that experience was a really strong, like uh, uh, president Nelson has talked about hinge points in our lives. Um, like that was a, a time for me to really figure out things and be able to move forward. So I did. And after a lot of healing, things like that take time to work through and heal as, as you know, I know you've had someone on recently who's talked about that. Um, I was able to move forward and get back to like the person that I felt like I wanted to be all the while in my back, in the back of my mind, still hoping that someday I would just get married and start having babies. Sure. Like, that was sure. still what I wanted well, to do. I'm going to pause you for like yeah. two seconds. Cause I, I think it's really important to, whether you're a member of the church of Jesus Christ or not <clears throat> of Latter-day Saints, right? Um, marriage is a huge thing. And, and so when, when, in, as, as a young woman growing up and, in the church, we believe marriage is for time and all eternity. And, and you're looking at this thing and you're saying, this is, if I can get here, then life's going to be okay. And then, then we're okay. Yes. And, that, and so your plans out. were up to that point. Yeah. And then it kind of stopped because at that point you could, once you get married, you can figure it out from there and everything's going to be fine. Of course. So, and you're an awesome person. You were when you were younger, you did, you did good things in life and, and you, here you are, you get to this point 
get married in the temple, sealed for time and all eternity. And as soon as you get married, very shortly thereafter, all these things start coming down on you. And is, is this the first point in your life where you really stopped and said, what the heck, God? You know, like, what is this? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I'd had trials up until that point, but nothing that really kind of shook me to my core sure. and made me have to reevaluate why I'm doing everything I'm doing. Yeah. So, I, mean, I can only imagine how you felt at that point, but yeah. anyway, so no, no kids, no kids. Okay. Nope. So it was a pretty clean break, okay. um, which I, you know, I'm immensely grateful for these days. Again, I think the Lord and all of his wisdom, there was a lot I was able to learn from that experience. Sure. Um, but I was able to move forward. And so I started, I, I, jumped back into school like soon thereafter yeah okay so I, you were pretty motivated to say okay this happened this was hard but i just need to move forward it took me well it took me some time okay i mean i think to work through things i stayed in school and i kept just kind of like doing what i needed to be doing to move forward but i it, it really took i would say probably three years of healing okay. Okay. before i got back to the point where i was like i'm okay yeah like, i'm doing all right so by that point I had, I was graduating college, which was great. I took a job working for the state. I was working with single moms who were on welfare, also who had faced very difficult experiences oh, cool. in relationships. And, um, but for me, it was kind of a job where I was just going to be there until I got married and started having babies. I mean, <laughs> really that has like always been my driving force. Yes. And so after working at the state for a few years, I thought maybe there's something else for me to do. And so in, um, 2008, I started my MBA program at Westminster College, thinking that an MBA will be a great, versatile degree that I can, you know, I can start a business, I can do so many things with it, um, because really all I want to do is be a wife and a mom. So this will be a great graduate degree to have, and and I was fortunate to have that time being single to be able to do so. So in 2008, I started my program. I was working for the state. Um, I'd worked in the governor's office. I'd worked for the Department of Workforce Services, which is the you know the welfare office, yeah. um, and and started into this grad program and just had the highest hopes that like life would just continue and get really wonderful. I kind of felt like naively that like I'd had a really big trial when I was 20 and then, you know, life was going to be okay. I'm good. Yeah. I overcame it. It took three years. Thank you. Heavenly father, like for giving me that trial and now I'm strong and and life is just going to be good. Um, yeah, the Lord is, is good at, um, I guess humbling us, you know, like in in helping us know that there's still more that we can learn. So wait, there's more for you. Uh, well, that's what petrifies me now is I'm like, Oh goodness. Like I'm almost 40. I don't know what the next, I want to live to be a hundred. So yeah. I'm like, what might the next 60 years hold if this yeah. is what the first 40 have yeah. held? But, um, so I was one year into grad school in 2009. Um, and I, um, goodness, it's, it still makes me a bit emotional, even though it's been almost, it's been 11 years now, um, was sexually assaulted by a coworker. Um, someone that I worked with, not someone in my grad program, uh, but sexually assaulted, raped. I actually never even, it's hard for me to use that word. Um, but that's, that's what happened. Um, and my whole world just turned upside down. Um, that was, I think that's one of the worst experiences a person can go through in their life. I mean, I, I know there are difficult things and everyone has their struggles, but in, in now dedicating my life to this work and seeing other people go through it, I sincerely think that being violated physically more often than not by someone that you know um really just shakes your foundation you know i think when we think about sexual assault we think about like a stranger hiding in the bushes and jumping out at you um but that's not what happens 90 percent of the time it's someone that you know 
And so then it's like your world is turned upside down because then trust. you don't know who to trust, uh, right? Like when it's a stranger in a bush, okay, great. Don't talk to strangers, yeah, right? Like yeah. don't walk alone at night, whatever. When it's someone that you know that you're voluntarily on a date with, spending time with, and then it happens, it's really like, I don't know who I can trust Whoa. anymore. And so really just a really challenging experience. And I recognized really quickly that I needed help. And so having gone through what I did so many years before with my marriage, I recognized that I needed to get help quicker. Yeah. And so it was interesting how that experience, I feel like kind of prepared me in a way for this. Cause with that experience, I was like, no, I'm fine. Like I'm, it's, it's hard, but I'm fine with this one. I was like, I'm not fine yeah. and I need to get help. And Whoa. so I found a great center in Salt Lake, um, the rape recovery center started working with them within the first week, started going to counseling, group therapy, all of that. Um, had some really strong friends in grad school who convinced me to stay in school because I was ready to be done. I mean, my life was over as far as I thought. And so I am forever grateful for the friends who encouraged me and who were supportive of me to stay in school. They helped me through it. Um, and I was able to graduate in 2010 with my class, which was awesome. That's great. But in 2010, right before I graduated, um, I ended up reporting to police, which lots of times these crimes aren't reported to police because they're really hard to prove. I mean, the only people there were me and him. Um, and, and so a lot of victims are hesitant to come forward for that reason because it's hard to prove what he said, she said, I did it because for me, I didn't expect it to go to trial. I didn't expect anything to come, come of it. It was more me just saying my piece, putting this on record and then being able to move forward. Yeah. And so I reported it. Um, and because it is a serious crime, a felony, um, they wanted me to do a call with him, um, and record it, see if I could get if him to could, admit to yeah. it before they arrested him or did anything just uh-huh. to see what, what might be there. And sure enough, he did. Okay. Um, and so they ended up arresting him and it went to trial a year later. Wow. Um, so by this point it's been two years since the experience and, and I was ready to move on. Like were, I, were there any apologies from him as, as he's talking were. on the phone or anything like that? Yeah, there were. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was, obviously unaware that the police were sitting right next to me and we were recording the call. And I mean, he was as, I guess as gracious as, as an assaulter can be. Sorry. Um, I hadn't had any conversations with him in in the past year just because I wanted nothing to do with them. Yeah. So it was really out of the blue. Quite frankly, I'm surprised he even even took the call. Um, but so it is. And, And so they had enough probable cause to arrest him. Um, it went to trial a year later. Um, and he was acquitted. And I remember driving home from the trial. Well, actually driving to the trial thinking it was over the course of a few days. It doesn't matter what happens because this isn't how I'm going to get my, like justice is an interesting word for me, especially in the line of work that I'm in. Sure. I don't know that it really exists in right. this life because no matter what these 12 peers of mine found, it would never remove that experience from my life. Sure. It could never change the fact that this had happened to me. Um, obviously it didn't end in my favor, but I remember thinking, but I'm still going to be okay. Like I've done everything I could. Um, I went through all of this, but at the end of the day, my healing is not dependent on whether or not he is, um, convicted or whether or not he goes to prison. And that's one thing that I feel like is really important when it comes to these issues as I see so many victims put their, um, their healing in the hands of someone else and they think fully on justice. Yeah. Like if I can get him arrested, if I can get him and I'm speaking in gender normative terms, like a female victim and a male perpetrator. Sure. Cause usually that's what the case is, but I'm fully aware of the fact that that's not always the case. 
but for ease of discussion, I guess. Yeah. So I, I see a lot of victims who say, if I can get him arrested or in my work, if I can get him kicked out of school, then I'll feel better and I'll feel safer and we can, you know, I can move forward with my life. And what I always try to help them understand is you're moving forward with your life shouldn't be dependent on anyone, but you yeah. and God, like that's, that's awesome. what it comes down to. Because <clears throat> as soon as we start putting our trust in our faith and our hope and our progression in the hands of someone else, we lose a lot of that control even more. So wow. in a situation where you've already lost control, gain it back and be able to say, I'm going to move forward no matter what, no matter yeah. what the outcome of this situation is, I'm going to move forward. So that's one that's, thing that's really important to me. That's very eye opening, And I want to talk about that a little bit. First, yeah. first I want to tell you, Tiffany, I, I want you to know how sorry I am that you went through this. I, I'm sorry. You're awesome. And, um, I love you. And, and that's, that is, I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, I, I, that whole topic on justice, that is a very eye opening thing to me. And I wonder when sometimes when some of these people, like I think of, there's a gentleman in Chris Williams in Utah that went through a very tragic thing. And I, I'm very connected to the people that, that the, the, the young man that hit him and his the family whites. and they died. Yeah. And yeah, I'm very connected to them and I love them. And I know the Dornies, which are his in-laws yeah. and his, and their daughters, the one that was killed, his wife is the one that was killed. And, and, and he was able to forgive Cameron like immediately. I wonder if that's sometimes when people go through these dark, crazy, hard things like you did, is that, is, is, is that why sometimes there's that, uh, that w wanting to offer forgiveness is because it allows us to still kind of, first of all, release ourselves from the right. bondage of not being able to forgive. But, but there's some kind of empowering ability that forgiveness offering forgiveness allows us to continue to move forward with our, our lives almost more than justice. Cause, cause let's be honest, the court system is never going to give us the perfect justice. We'll right. never feel that it's done enough for us. Right. Right. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? So I absolutely agree. I think that it, it really is up to us. And when you see situations like Chris Williams, who's also someone that we've had speak at BYU, um, awesome. there's just such value and hope in being able to move forward. Once you take that upon yourself, um, justice is such an interesting word. And I, you know, there's a, there's been a case in the news in recent, um, years with the, the doctor who was um, the, the doctor for Olympic gymnasts, Larry oh, Nassar, yeah, yeah. um, he is now in prison for the rest of forever. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting is there were all these women who came forward and wanted to be part of that trial. And then once he got convicted and sent to jail, these women were still struggling, yeah. it was still a struggle. And so then, you know, it was, well, how we need to hold Michigan state accountable. We need to hold us gymnastics uh, like accountable. And it's just been interesting to me to sit back and watch that recognizing I think they might have thought that when he was convicted and sent to jail, like their healing could start and yeah. they would be okay. And then that happened and it was like, no, no I'm still not okay. I There's something in me that's still not okay. Yeah. And it's because no external force can ever take away experiences that we've had. And so I really, powerful. the work that I do is very aligned with the justice system, you know, in, 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 in the criminal, the criminal justice system, yeah. honestly. Um, but it's been interesting to me for, to try to help separate victims from that. Like if you want to go that route and report, just know that you're doing so for you, but that nothing in that system will ever help you with your healing necessarily. You, yeah. well, in that, fact, it could have set me back 10 steps because they didn't believe me. Interesting. Or not, I don't know if they believed me or whatever, but they acquitted him, you know? So if I'd been waiting for some sort of outcome when that didn't happen, I very easily could have said, 
it had gone back 10 steps in my healing. But yeah. at that point I was realizing the outcome of this is what matters to me. What matters to me is my own life and moving forward. And I think what was really awesome for me is in that in that experience, I had learned from my experience with my ex-husband, as sure. the case was, how to forgive and move forward. Like I realized that for those three years that I didn't really heal, I was harboring difficult feelings yeah. for him and anger and frustration. And you know, how could he do this to me? And why did this happen? And it was when I got to that point where I was like, I can let go of all that. So when this situation came up 10 years later or whatever, I was able to recognize like how much quicker I wanted to get to that place than I was able to get to it before. So again, I feel like the Lord was preparing me in a way, not for this experience, because I, I don't believe the Lord gave me this experience necessarily. <laughs> um, but I was able to rely on the lessons that I'd learned from my trial 10 years before to get through this one and get to a space of forgiveness and healing a little bit quicker. So wise. So. And, and I, so wise and, and well put. I, I think it's so beautiful now listening to you. I, I'm sure in those moments, you wouldn't have the same things to say for sure. Right. But the wisdom that you speak with and, and really understanding, I, you're, you're talking about justice in a, a way I've never really thought about. It's so necessary for us to have it. Right. It makes me really appreciate Jesus Christ even that much more with the forgiveness yeah. that he was willing to give right away to people. And, and there's something powerful about that idea of forgiveness. Um, thank you. I, I just, I think, Gosh, the way you're talking about it is a beautiful thing. It's enlightening to me. And I'm going to listen to this about 30 times just so I understand it a little better myself. But anyway, okay, so so continue. So you've had the trial. Um, I know there were some dark, dark days for you around this point. Would you say, would you say like leading up to this in, in this time from your life, is this the darkest point of your life so far? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and honestly, as I move forward with my life, I hope it continues to be the darkest point. Yeah. Of life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. We're going to keep, we're going to say that. Sorry. Yeah. No, I so far. Well, like I know trials will come, but I think that the more we're able to learn and grow, like we can still have light in our yes. trials. And I think that's what your yes. podcast is all about is I look to whatever trials that I know I'll, I'll face in the future. I'm grateful to have who is in my opinion, the most amazing partner in the world to stand by my side because in all of this, I was kind of doing it alone. Um, and I know we'll, I know we'll make it through cause we've both had our own trials and we've come through them and we've learned a lot. And so I hope that whatever trials we face in the future, um, we can look back and see how the trials we faced before were maybe darker. Cause now we we've been able to fill ourselves in our lives with, with light so that will light. help us still have that hope and light, even when difficult things yes. happen. Awesome. So yeah, absolutely. The most dark time ever. Um, and it, there was just a lot and that's kind of the reality of, of sexual assault is, um, it just shakes your foundation and everything you think, you know, about the world and, and everyone, and the people, you know, and love and trust. And so there were some dark moments. Um, suicide is a reality of, of people who've gone through sexual assault. And that was something that never before had crossed my mind. Uh, but during these dark times it did, uh, just because I, I had lost some of that hope, even though I was getting the help that I needed as far as, you know, therapy and, and all of that, which I'm a firm believer in. Um, I, it was still really hard. It was still really hard. And, um, so I had moments, I mean, I remember there was an experience when it was Christmas and it would have been the Christmas right after. So this was May, um, 2009 was when it happened and it would have been Christmas of 2009. And, uh, we were going, my parents living in California at the time. And so my siblings and I were going to go down there and visit them. And I have two younger sisters and I was taking them to the airport, um, a few days before Christmas. And then I was going to come a couple days later cause I had to work. 
And I remember dropping them off the airport and it was night and I was driving home and I remember just thinking, this is it. Like I'm done. Mm. Oh, it still makes me tear up even though it was so long ago. I remember those feelings and I remember thinking, how can I make this like the least impactful for my family, (sighs) which is a crazy thought to have in that moment because in thinking about what the impact would have been had I actually gone through with it. Um, you know, but I, I think that in those situations, at least in my own experience, I really was thinking of other people oddly as it, as it sounds. Um, you know, I think when you're in those moments, you're thinking life will be better for everyone else if I'm not here. Uh, and that's kind of where I was just, I, I was done. And I remember just pleading with my father in heaven to bring me home. Like I was just done. It was too hard. I couldn't get past it. And I remember driving down the freeway thinking, okay, I'm going to wrap all my gifts that I bought for everyone. I'm going to set them on the couch and then that'll be it. Like I'll clean up the house. Um, so no one has to deal with any, any troubles and then that'll be it. And I remember just having those thoughts. And then I had the thought to go visit my grandparents. And as a, a person of faith, I believe that was the, the spirit talking to my heart and telling me to go visit um, my grandparents, these very wise, amazing people. And I did. And I went up there um, to their home. They live in Holiday, not far from like where I'd grown up. And um, my grandfather was able to provide me some fatherly counsel um, that, that helped me realize that there was still worth and value in me. And that it was, was that was that what on. made it so was that thought that you just said the worth and value is that what made it so like is that what brought on the suicide yeah. it's just your personal worth and value no one would want you it's the, yeah yeah I just I had no place in the world anymore got it um and it was it was just really oh boy it was just really difficult and I still remember those feelings I mean it's been so long and I talk about my experience frequently I guess but going back to those feelings is still really hard because they were. The, they're really hard. They're, they're real. And, and there is still a little raw in my, in my heart. Well, I guess. Somebody, somebody stole that from oh, you, right? Yeah. I mean, you were, you felt that about yourself as you move on from divorce, you feel your worth again, you're, you're ready to take life and move forward. Right. And then all of a sudden somebody in a real, in, in, in a much worse way robs that from you. And so I, I look at the way you're describing this and let's pause on grandma and grandpa for just a second. But the way you're describing this, I, cause you're thinking of other people in these, in these moments of thinking suicide and how to end it. You're thinking of your family. How's it going right. to impact them? You're thinking of, um, really, you know, like you're also like, you're still kind of having conversations with God. Yeah. You're just hurt. Right. Like you're hurt so bad that you just want to be done. Right. It's time to end it. And, and, that's, that's an amazing, thank you for sharing that, Yeah. that you were in a hurt so low and so bad personal hurt that, um, but yet you're still the type of person that were focused on other people. And that, I think that's what, what allowed you to kind of hang in there, at least get to your grandparents' house. Right. Yeah. And they are, they are good people. And I, they didn't know it at the time. They didn't know where I was in my, in my process. Sure. I don't even think they knew about the sexual assault at that point. I hadn't really told a lot of people. So they were just, they just knew that I was coming over for a visit, you know, a few days before Christmas and that I wanted to just be around them and talk to them. And it was just the boost that I needed to be able to keep going. And boy, am I so glad I did. I think back to that dark time and I think, you know, to anyone who is considering suicide or, or wondering if life is still worth it. Um, I look at my life now and I think of all that I would have missed out on had I not just, hung in there and it didn't get better right away. It wasn't like, okay, I had this great experience with grandma and grandpa. And the next thing I know, life is good. Um, it, there were some dark days to follow, uh, but I could 
rely on that and I could go back to what I knew. And in fact, I remember a few days later I was driving down the freeway and I was just thinking, boy, this is just, it's just really hard. Like, I feel like I don't know. I don't know anything in the world anymore. I don't know who I can trust. I don't know, you know, what my purpose is. I don't know any of that. And then I, I kind of saw myself and said, okay, what do you, what do you know? Like what in this world do you know with a hundred percent surety? And in that moment, there were two things that for sure I knew. The first was that the sun would come up tomorrow. I knew that. I don't question it. I know it's going to happen. And the second was that I knew that God was aware of me and loved me. And that realization and really those two things, I think were what continued to get me through the difficult days that would follow. I knew that through my experience with my grandparents, that was a way of God saying, I'm aware of you. Here's someone to help you. And so being able to rely on those two things and knowing that through the darkest night, the sun's always going to rise. Like those were the two things that I knew a hundred percent for sure. And then those got me through. And you could trust it. So two questions I have for you. The first one is, do you remember what your grandpa said to you? Or can you kind of sum it up? What's in your heart? Um, one, one thing that I do remember, um, and I had taken some notes that like in my journal of, of some things he had said, but one thing that he shared was just that I had come from a long line of people who had also faced struggles and who had, you know, who who had made sacrifices and stayed strong so that I could have what I have. And that someday my posterity and children would have that from my experience. And then, um, yeah, that, that's probably what I remember the most, just that, that I, I wasn't alone, that there were people in my life and my ancestors for heaven's sakes that maybe I didn't know, but they'd done, you know, gone through really difficult things, very different trials. I think back to my, my ancestral line and they had a lot of physical trials, you know, with, with, um, coming across the plains as pioneers in the United States and things like that. Physical trials that I, we don't really have to experience these days, but they did it all because of their faith and that their faith strengthens me. And now my faith, if I am willing to keep it can strengthen the generations to come after. That's one thing I remember for sure. The, the, one of the most powerful things about vulnerability that I believe is when you open up and you share your stories, the difficult things you've been through, the great things, it empowers other people to recognize that they too can make it through their hardest stuff. Right. It gives them a chance to go forward. And those are, the, those are the stories that we remember generations and generations and generations later. And the fact that your grandpa didn't just look you in the eyes and say, Tiffany, you're amazing. You're going to get through whatever it is you deal with because you're so special. You're so awesome. I think at that point, your grandpa, when he was, when he, if you would have said those things, I think you would have probably in your mind gone, thanks grandpa, but inside gone, I don't believe that at all. Right. But the fact that he took hard things that other people who are important in your life, your ancestors went through, he kind of used their story of overcoming the challenge and the dark times in their life to say, look at what's happened when you just hang in there work through the things you go through, it will get better. And it it will be something that is long lasting in your life. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, grandpa, what's his name? Bill. 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 High five, Bill. That is phenomenal. What what great job. And I'm sure he was very much led by the spirit as well. So second question I have for you before you keep going with your story. You said that you still, one of the two things you trusted, the sun would come up and that God was no doubt there and that he loved you perfectly. How did you at that point not get bitter and turn away from God, right? How did you, 
you've gone through these two things now that have, that have changed the course of your life, which you had no idea uh, would even happen. You didn't think it, you didn't believe that it would ever happen to you. Two, not just one, but two crazy tragic instances that have altered your life and you are still trusting in God that he loves you. How did you stay there? What did you do to make sure that you didn't turn your back there? You know, that's a really great question. And it's honestly something I've thought about over the years because I see a lot of people go through the experiences that I've been through, whether it's the ending of a marriage or, you know, some sort of sexual violence and, and do turn away and wonder how God could turn on them and how, you know, God couldn't, didn't protect them or, or gave them this really hard experience. And for me, that just never was even anything that even came to mind. I, I think one, one thing for me that I realized, and I don't fault anyone for thinking that, I don't know why for me it's different, but I think one thing I realized is because whether it was a big experience or a small experience prior um, to this, this one experience, I felt like having God and Jesus Christ in my life always strengthened me. And so I recognize that in that moment, if I'm will, if I give up on them, then I've really got nothing. And so that's for me where that's where I, that's who I relied on. That was the one thing that I felt like I could, um, that I could still count on. I think too, because I, I recognized that their perspective and their, um, nature was eternal. It wasn't tied to this world, which is where all these really difficult experiences are occurring. So for me, I never, I was, I've never been angry at God. You know, I've never been upset or wondering why, um, you know, sometimes when I start to, if, if ever that why question would pop into my head, I would flip it around and say, why me am I so lucky? Like why me that when I have to go through these difficult experiences, I've been blessed with having that knowledge and that relationship with God that I can rely on because a lot of people don't people go through trials in this life and they don't have that, um, that really strong or belief or faith in, in God. And, um, so for me, I've always felt like why me why am I so fortunate? Um, as opposed to why me, why am I having to go through this? And I think I've recognized too, that through this experience and other experiences, you know, each one that I go through helps me rely on my savior and my heavenly father more and helps me become more like them because surely they experience these sorts of things. If I believe that, and you know, I, I think most Christians do, um, that if I can learn to become like them through these difficult experiences, then it was all for something, yeah. you know, cause I, I want to live with them someday. I want to be like them someday. Um, and, and with each of these experiences, I'm able to get a little bit more of a glimpse into the struggles that this earth brings, but that, that could ultimately make us heavenly. And I, um, I've just, I, I never, I never went that route and I'm really grateful, but I never, I just really never did because in my mind, they were the, the one, the two people that I felt like I could count on. I wasn't giving up on them because I kind of gave up on everybody else. That's awesome. So thank you for teaching us that. I think to hear you in your darkest moments, instead of crying out and saying why, which is okay. Uh, totally right? okay. Totally okay. But it's almost like you said, why not? Yeah. Right. And that's not an easy thing to do. And, but it changed your whole perspective, right? I th and, and first of all, you went into these hard things with a, with a large perspective of what this life is for you understood that there's more to it than just the life here on earth, that there's something bigger and better for us. And you trusted in God through that. And so you were able to stop in the darkest moments and say, why not? And when you look at it through that lens, then you can start to say, 
okay, first of all, a lot of people in this world struggle, but yeah. A, I've, I've come from a good home. Right. I've ha I have a good support system. And that I've learned some things and I've been able to make some connections with God early on in my life. And I've been very blessed. And as soon as, as soon as you start to say those things and you start to recognize the blessings that you've been given in your life, the hard things to deal with, it makes the, it makes it a little bit of a cushion for yeah. you, if you will. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. That that's you're you're a master teacher oh. just through your experiences you've been through. Yeah. You are, I mean, I could listen to you for a long time talking about this stuff. So keep, so keep going. So yeah. you kind of go through this period, you get, you're dealing with like suicidal thoughts, all this stuff. Um, trial, right. Right. Yeah. Um, goes to trial. What, what happens with the trial and then kind of keep going from there. So the trial, you know, the trial was an interesting thing because it was actually, it was supposed to happen in March of 2011. Um, I guess it would have been. And so we were all prepped and ready to go to trial. And the day of the trial, there was a big situation that led to some protests at the courthouse. Um, and because of those protests, the trial got delayed a few months. Nothing to do with your trial. Nothing Just to do with our trial, yeah. but because they felt some jury members arriving at the courthouse might've seen the protests, the protests being around, you know, the prosecutor is awful and files false charges. They oh. felt like that might have tainted our jury. Oh, okay. And so they declared a mistrial and scheduled it for like three, three and four months later. And so that was really difficult because it was like, there's so much emotion and build up to going to trial, recognizing that of sexual assaults that are ever reported, which most are not hmm. the number that actually ever get to trial is so low. And then what's percentage? Oh, like 10%. No kidding. Yeah. So I would say, you know, in, in all the research that I've done, you know, uh, two thirds to half of, of sexual assaults are just never even reported. But of the ones that are reported, about 10 ish percent end up going to trial. And of that 10%, maybe 1% get acquitted uh, or get convicted. Yeah. Um, and so there's just a lot that like was building up to that trial. And then it was like, it didn't happen. And so I think that's to a point when I was like, okay, and I, I need to not put so much stock and weight in this trial. Like I need to be able to move on because here it didn't happen. I need to still be okay. So they scheduled it for a few months later. And again, he was acquitted. Um, but it was okay. I remember driving down the, uh, driving down the road with my family. My parents were with me at the trial after. And I remember my mom saying like, how are you? How are you doing? Are you doing okay? Like, I'm so frustrated. And I remember just being like, yeah, like I'm okay. I'm okay. I, was not, I mean, obviously I would have preferred a different outcome, sure. um, but it's okay. Like I, my life can move on and I can get past this and, and I've been able to do that. And I'm really grateful. Um, one thing that really made a difference to me is in this dark time, and it was around the time of uh, the trial or, or right before I remember being at home one night and just, again, like pleading with heavenly father to take me home. Like I was just Still. done. And because I trusted in him, I felt that leaving this world and going home to him was a better option for me because that's where I wanted to be. Um, and I remember having this thought of like, if life was hard, like why, why did I want this life? Because I firmly believe in, in as, as Christians generally, I think we believe that we all made the choice to come down to earth and, and follow God's plan for us here. Um, and so I believe that I made this conscious choice to come down to earth. And I, in this moment, I'm thinking, why on earth did I do that? Like this life is hard. I mean, I'm like 30 and I've had these crazy experiences. And again, I realize other people have difficult lives and, and go through things, but I just remember wondering why, like, why did I choose this? And I had this kind of, 
I guess, epiphany, uh, kind of a cool moment, I think, where I started thinking about what that decision looked like when I made it way before this life. Um, and I think sometimes, at, at least in, in the LDS church, when we talk about the decision-making process, we call it a, the war in heaven. Yeah. When God presented his plan and, mm-hmm. and, and, and there were these two sides, there was the adversary Satan side, and then there was Jesus Christ who had his plan. Well, really, there was really only one plan. Satan never had a plan. No. He was he was trying to fool us back yeah. then. But um, I, I always kind of picture it as almost like this big rally, like where it's like, okay, pick your side and everyone's in there and it's kind of chaos. And when we talk about the war in heaven and, and what happened there. But in this moment when I was having a difficult time this one night, I, I pictured it differently. And I pictured, um, goodness, again, uh, with the emotion. I love it. Um, I pictured sitting by my heavenly father's side and him saying to me, here's, here's the life you're going down to. Here are the trials you're going to face, but here's the good that will come if you endure and stay strong and stay faithful. And in all of my excitement and naivete, I probably in that moment was like, great, send me down. I'll do it. And I remember in this moment thinking, um, that in all the wisdom of a parent, heavenly father probably put his arm around me and said, but Tiff, it's going to be really hard. There's going to be some really hard moments. Are you sure you want to do it? And I picture myself kind of pausing and feeling my father's arm around me and feeling like he believes in me to do it. Do I believe in myself to do it? And in that moment, I picture myself saying, yes, I know it'll be hard, but in whatever eternal perspective I had, I knew that all the trials and whatever difficult I had to go through would be worth the happiness and the joy that awaited me. And so when I had that eternal perspective, which I consider it um, as... I could see that any trial that I faced would be worth it. And, and so in this moment that when I was going through this dark time and I feel like I kind of had this thought of maybe what my thought process was and, and all of that and choosing to come to this world, I, I feel like that really helped me remember to have faith in myself because I think sometimes, especially as Christians, it can be easy, I guess, to have faith in God and to have faith that he knows and that he you know, we'll work things together for our good and, and he has a plan. But I think at the end of the day, it's really difficult for us to have faith in ourselves and believe that we can get through these trials. And that was one thing that hit me in that moment was Heavenly Father believed that I could do this. And he gave me the opportunity to do it. In that moment, the eternal Tiffany um, believed in me to do it. And I need to rely on that. Right now, my perspective and my vision is narrowed. It's very temporal and what I can see and what I know on this earth. But when I had the bigger picture, I knew that I could do it and I believed in myself to do it. So I need to rely on the eternal tiff and, and, and know that I can stay strong and that whatever comes in my life. And it's interesting because right now I'm at a place where I'm feeling a lot of that joy and happiness. And I'm so glad I didn't give up again. I know trials are coming and I know that the happiness that awaits us, if we trust God that awaits us in the heavens will be even greater. Um, but I'm just really grateful that when I have those dark moments and I start to question everything, I can remember God has faith in me and I had faith in me and I need to continue. I mean, what else matters, you know? So (sighs) Tiffany, I, first of all, I'm sitting here crying, (laughs) making me emotional, but you please keep, please keep telling your story because there's a lot of people that need to hear what you're saying. And I, I gotta be honest with you. Um, that, that, that was beautiful. And a lot of people are going to connect with what you just said right there. And, um, some that are going to hear that are really struggling and that's going to be a, that's going to be a, a, a little bit of grace that's handed to them. So thank you for sharing that. 
Um, I want to go back to something you said though, cause yeah. I've, I've felt this in my darkest times too. It's interesting. Um, there's that idea and that notion, and especially in the LDS culture that, um, one of the reasons that we were sent down here, uh, is to be proven, tested, tried, right? We, we got to go down here, uh, get a body to go through all these things so that we can understand our heavenly father a little bit more. And, and obviously we're not saying we're going to understand him perfectly. No, right. but to become more like him and understand him a little bit more. And, and what you said about, he knew you could do it and, and to have a moment before you come down here, um, and to think of it that way, where he put his arms around you as a loving father and said, it's going to be hard, but I know you can do this. You didn't have to prove anything to him. Right. The proving had to come to you. You needed to prove to yourself that you could do this and you believed you could. That is a powerful thought. And I, I think one of the, one of the special things is the way that you view your heavenly father and, and, and the way that most of us believe God um, or, or think of our heavenly father is as our father, literally the father of our spirits. And if, and, and if that is true, which I believe with all my heart, it is, doesn't that mean that there's something within us that is more powerful than we even have an opportunity that our minds can even understand. And I'm not saying that in a prideful way, but I'm saying that in a way where God's our father. He created the universe, everything in the universe, light, dark, all those things. And so when we get in hard times, if we can stop, pause for just a minute and say, God, I have, I have God's spiritual DNA within me. God is, God is with me. There's a reason I'm going through this. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to hang on. And I am, I am more value and more worth than I even understand. And, and I'm going to connect with him to let him help me guide me through this. I, thank you for sharing what you just said. I, I, I mean, powerful. So anyway, keep going. I, yeah. I don't want to pause there. Keep going. No. So that, I mean, that's, that's the kind of the lesson that I feel like I learned out of this and that I've been really grateful for is it's always been easy. And I, I mentioned this when we were talking before, it's always been easy for me to trust God and, and to trust that, that he knows me, that he's aware of me and that he loves me. Who has been hard for me to trust is myself yeah. and that I'm strong enough to get through this. So that was a really eye opening moment for me that has really helped me sense. And as I've really pondered and thought about this, it's, it's kind of changed my perspective on you know, some of the parables that the saviors even taught. Cause I feel like even in his life, he was trying to instill that confidence and belief in the people that he was working with and serving. And I think to the story of, um, Peter and, and, uh, where the savior's walking on water. So there's this big storm and, yeah. and they look out the, the disciples and they see the save someone walking toward them on the water. And at first they're a little afraid. And then they realize that it's Christ and he's walking toward them. And, um, Peter says, you know, and I'm totally paraphrasing the Bible okay. has it written so much better than I'm going to say, but <laughs> this is awesome. Um, Peter says, can I, can I get out and come to you? And the savior says, absolutely. Um, sometimes I think we give Peter a hard time cause he got out of the boat, like, you know, faith. and then he fell and I'm like, he's the only one who got out of the boat. Yeah. Like, let's give Peter some credit. Yeah. He was willing to take that step of faith, you yeah. know? And so he gets out of the boat and he starts walking to the savior and, and our church has a really great video on this that I love watching. Um, that tells this story so well, but he starts walking toward the savior and then the winds start coming, things get difficult and he looks down and then he starts to fall. And in those moments, the scriptures teach us that he looks up to the savior and says, save me like Lord, help me. 
and, and the savior does. And, and so the experience, you know, then it continues. And, um, and then the savior says to him, like, wherefore did thou doubt? Like, why did you doubt? And as I've thought more about that story, it's taken on new meaning for me because in that moment, and I feel like I can relate to Peter because I feel like I've been in those moments where I felt like I was drowning. Um, in those moments, it was easy for me to look up to, to God or to Jesus Christ and say, save me because I knew they could do it. Who I didn't trust in was myself, yeah. and who Peter didn't trust in was his himself. And so I, I've, I've kind of in my mind, it's like a new spin on that because as you read through it, Peter wasn't saying, "Lord, I don't trust you." Lord, I don't have faith in you, because as soon as he started to fall, that's who he went to. Yeah. Like he had that faith in in the Savior, and the Savior came through and saved him. Who Peter didn't believe in was himself. Yeah. And, and so it's been interesting for me to kind of think through that story more. I feel like, and this is just like the doctrine of Tiffany, you know, like coming through. <laughs> hey, I love yeah. it. Share away. But I feel like part of what the savior was trying to say through that experience is Peter. Why did you doubt yourself? Yeah. Um, and that's the great thing about all the parables that, that Jesus Christ taught through is there's so many meanings that we can yes. learn from that depending on where we are in our lives. But this one has really, it's just become my favorite scripture story because I felt like it was a, a really poignant example of where the savior is saying to Peter, you believed in me. I believe in you. Why don't you believe in yourself? That's awesome. And gosh, Tiffany, that is beautiful. Like way I, I've never actually thought of it like that. I kind of always have always thought of the, the things came, Peter got scared. He lacked faith. He, he started to drop. So I need to be stronger in my faith right. to the savior and to the Lord to trust that I can. I, he, he knew that he could when Christ said, come Christ knew that he could, Yep. but he doubted himself. Yeah. That's interesting. That is a very, that, I, I love that idea that um, it it's goes back to the whole idea that you've got to prove to yourself, right? Yeah. But we have the ability within us. Christ, right. our Heavenly Father, they believe in us, right. so we can too. Yep. That's awesome. That's the lesson I've learned. That And that, I guess that's what my story is. And what yeah. my lesson is, you know, is like just believe in yourself. Know that you have a Father in Heaven and a Savior, our elder brother, who believes, who believe in us. Um, and it's up to us to believe in ourselves and make it through this crazy life and world and experiences that we've been given. Like that's, that's what it comes down to. And I think, you know, there's lots of times, whether it's in my work or in my personal life where I think to myself, people smarter than me have entrusted me to do this. (laughs) And, and with my husband, like my husband, who's, you know, just incredible believes that I can do this or whatever the case may be, you know, um, and, and relying in those people kind of beyond myself that, that I trust, um, and I think the ultimate, the ultimate version of that is, is relying on our savior and our heavenly father and saying, if they believe in me, who am I not to believe in me? You know, I, like you said, we've got that divinity within us. How do we tap into that in those difficult moments and recognize that we're not here, but for them believing in us and, and loving us. Um, now we just need to reflect that in ourselves. And I think that's one great thing. My goodness, parenting has taught me a lot about God's love for me. <laughs> you think about, you know, when I was going through this difficult thing, I can just picture Heavenly Father saying, you're strong enough, you can get through it. And thankfully, I feel like my heart was touched in a lot of ways to be able to realize that. But I look at my own kids now, whether it's starting to learn how to walk or whatever it might be, I'm looking at them and I'm like, I know you can do it. Like, I know you are capable of doing this, but then they start to get discouraged, you know, when they fall down or, or whatever. And, and I, I think that's how Heavenly Father sees us is when you have the bigger picture and when you've you know, got a different perspective. Um, that's one thing I really want to instill in my kids is their belief in themselves, knowing that I, as their earthly parent, believe in them and they have a heavenly parent who believes in them. 
they can do anything. Yeah. They can do anything. Yeah. And, and we can do anything. And they start to learn how to trust themselves when you cheer them on to get back up and try right. again. Yep. Right. Yeah. I'm never going to like my daughter who learned how to walk a few months ago when she was walking and falling, I was never like, Oh goodness, girl. Like, well, you better just stop. Like, you let's get you a walker. Up. You're like, good. Yeah. No, I'm thinking you can do it. And, yeah. and it like her effort even made me love her more. Right. Like the fact that she was trying. And I think it's the same with our heavenly father. I think he loves our effort. Um, and, and he's there cheering us on. And so, you know, who are we to not stand back up and, and take a few more steps? Ah, Tiffany, you're awesome. You're, 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 you're wise, so wise. And, and the lessons that you've gone through in life, so difficult, so hard, so dark, so trying. Um, and, and kind of like, if you, if you look at both the experiences with the divorce and also with the, I mean, sexual assault and rape, right. Um, so unjust, but those things have made you so strong. And, and I look at your, I look at your life now, currently look at the beauty of it. I mean, I don't need to tell you to look at it, but, yeah. but look at the beauty of it with, you've got three kids, you've got an incredible husband, things are going really well for you. Um, just you've, you've been blessed, right? You've been very blessed, but look at what you're doing because of what happened to you. You are literally teaching principles that will help so many of these young women and also men mm -hmm. and parents, I mean, gosh, you can't listen to this as a parent and not like take, take away some things that you can go back to your kids with and like, and help as a parent. But look, because of, because of everything that you've gone through, all the lessons that you've learned, you, you're a, an amazing person. Not that you weren't before, but you're, you're, you're an amazing person. So much strength, so much wisdom now. And what are you doing? You're using those things, those hard, darkest things in your life that you've been through and the experiences and the lessons you've learned coming out of them. You're now turning around and you're blessing so many people so that when they go through their things, they'll have the ability and be better equipped to be able to say, okay, this is so dark maybe I'm to the point where I, I want to be done with this life or I just don't know what to do, but I know that I know that I can do this. And even if they don't think of Tiffany in those moments because they've heard your story, yeah. they don't have to. But if, if hearing a survivor, a faithful and incredible person story of overcoming somehow stays with them subconsciously and they believe in themselves a little bit more. You've made an eternal difference on somebody's life. And, and I just thank you for sharing that with us today. And, and, and I, my invitation to you is, and I know you are, just continue to share your story. What powerful you. story it is and an amazing story. Um, let's, are we done with your story? I mean, are, yeah, is there anything else on that you wanted to add? Okay. I have a, no, I have a couple it. questions yeah, for you. I just want to ask you real quick. Um, I think, um, in, tell me, tell me, you obviously had a pretty good support system. Your, your yes, family is all still around. Yep. Um, tell me in, in those dark times, if, if you were a parent of a child that was where you were, um, whether it's the divorce or whether it's, um, the sexual assault you went through 
or both, right? Right. What, what advice would you give to parents dealing with a child that's kind of there where you were? So one thing that has been interesting for me as I've thought through this is to really, like this was one thing that I think someone who goes through a situation like this feels is like it's impact on others. And I kind of mentioned that a little bit. And so I think as a parent, what's going to be really important to me as, as my kids face trials in their life. And I don't want, I don't know what trials they'll face, but really helping them it be their experience and knowing I'm just here as a supporting character. Uh, I think as parents, it can be easy to take our children's sorrows and, and difficult experiences and either want to fix them or, take them on ourselves, wonder how I could have done things differently or how I could have helped when really our child's going through that difficult thing. What do they need and what can we do to make it better for them? Um, and, and how can we kind of make it about them in a way and, and help them get through it as